What can you expect when you go to Glacier, seeing neat birds, and exploring beautiful nature? Thank you for tuning in to Hannah and Eric Go Birding, a podcast by birders for birders. I'm Hannah, and he's Eric. And we created this podcast to share adventures, sometimes misadventures, and opinions that we have on different dirt birding topics. Derbing topics? I thought you were going to say dirty topics. <laughs> I was like, oh, that just changed everything. It's a whole different podcast. <laughs> Um, we are definitely not experts, and anything that we discuss that might be controversial, we want you to remember their own opinions, and they might be different from yours. So, any news this week? Over the last two weeks? Um, yeah, so we have some big personal news, so if you don't care about our personal life, then you can just skip it. The, the show notes will have where you can just jump right to the main main topic. Well, anyways, so our big news is that we have tried for years and years and years to buy a house. And, you know, saved up money for a down payment, and we tried in Houston a couple times and just got, like, thwarted. Um, Kept failing. Get get all the way down to closing or get halfway there, and everything falls apart, so. Um, And then we tried to buy a house at the beginning of the quarantine, well, of the COVID outbreak um, here in Cannon Beach where we live, and just had a ton of problems with um, trying to come to an agreement with the homeowner. So we kind of thought all was lost. And just the other day, um, we actually closed on a house. So, so we are now homeowners. Yeah, which is super exciting. Well, the, the bank owns the home, but we're we're on route to be <laughs> to owning this home In ourselves. 30 years, we'll In own 30 years, home. we'll own it ourselves. So we're really excited. Um, it needs a lot of work. It's a really cute little cabin. It's um, like... It's not a tiny home, but it's basically like a tiny home. It's like 600 square feet. Yeah, one bedroom, one bath, kitchen. That's it. So we're we're just really excited. Um, it's like Eric said, it's going to take a or I said, it's going to take a lot of work. So we're not moving in um, immediately, and you know, fortunately, our situation works out that we can stay at the hotel here where we live currently. Live and work um, for a while before we have to move over there. So um, yeah, we're excited, and we're going to be spending a lot of our you know, time that we get off working on it. But it's, I mean, it's exciting. Like, it has a pretty good-sized yard, and um, it backs up to an undeveloped lot, which I don't think has any signs of being developed. And it's yeah. it's in a um, it's in a resident, residential area. So um, what what birds have we seen? We've had, we had those ruby, um, well, the, no, those Anna's hummingbirds. Yeah, the Anna's hummingbirds, uh, male and female doing this. The weird that people have been reporting where, for some reason, it's been really warm this October. And people all around Oregon and Washington have been reporting seeing the males um, attempting to court to court females um, in this kind of false spring that we have going on. So, yeah. So this, so this male was, was uh, courting a female, um, Anna's, which was kind of interesting. Yeah, we were over there doing some yard work and um, I heard like... <laughs> And Eric looked up and he's like, oh my gosh, there's a hummingbird that's going to attack me. It almost got me in the head. It was There was a female up on a branch and then a male was just do, doing the little J-hook uh, dance. So we got yeah. that. Um, we will definitely have goals flying over, I'm sure. We already had an eagle there. Yeah, that's true. We did when we went and looked at it. Um, so we'll start a yard list and uh, I'm sure Eric will be very good about oh, going very diligent. populating that. <laughs> so that's our exciting news. Um, besides that, some other things that are going on, this is currently Birdability Week, and that was an effort started by Virginia Rose of, um, I think she's in Austin, mm-hmm. and we did talk about her a couple weeks ago because she, um, presented, uh, Birdability at the, uh, Southeastern Arizona Birding Festival. Yeah. And so this effort has been adopted by National Audubon Society, and they created a whole week about it, and I'm really excited um, this, you know, when this comes out, it'll be basically over, but there'll be a couple, like half over. <laughs> there's a talk today, which is Wednesday when we're recording, and then there'll be another talk on Thursday. Uh, but one of the really cool things, uh, that's coming out of this is, uh, G- GIS mapping, um, based on a survey that you can complete and it, it'd be an anonymous survey, but you can look at your local park and answer some questions about whether, you know, uh, people with disabilities that want to go out and bird, whether they would be able to, you know, access that park easily or whether the, they would face some barriers. Um, so we're going to go out and and do a survey of our local parks to see um, and then enter the information on the survey. But I'm really excited to 
you know, to make birding accessible to everybody. Yeah, I'm excited to get the local, all, all the eBird hotspots in town, at least going to each of those parks. Like, not that they're all actual park parks, but one, one of them's a park, West Shirley Park. Yeah. yeah. Mark down that information. Yeah, so if you get a chance, um, check it out, and we'll toss it in the show notes, too, about this uh, Birdability Week, as well as just, you know, the website moving forward, because the survey, like, you can just do that for any park. Um, it doesn't have to be just during this week. So check that out, and, uh, yeah, let's make birding more accessible to everyone. Yeah, so this last weekend was the Global Big Day, the Global Bird Weekend, the whole the whole October shebang of... Uh, <laughs> Of birds. Like what Tim Appleton was telling us about in our last episode. Yes, yeah. So um, we, we participated. We, we submitted, I think, seven lists. Um, totaling about 40 birds. About 40 species. Um, we happened to be in a place that wasn't uh, very numerous for species, but we definitely definitely got some cool cool species out there. Um, but um, over overall, the eBird stats, we were looking at them just a few minutes ago. Um, things may, have, may change and update as people lists roll in for the next week or so. Um, but um, at, as of now, there were 7,026 different species seen on Saturday. That's incredible. That's that's awesome. But, I mean, seriously, where are those 3,000 other species, you know, that people aren't seeing? Like, I don't know. are they on these deserted islands in the middle of nowhere? <laughs> they, well, there's, there's some that are in, endemics. Like, there's an island way the heck out in the Atlantic, halfway between Africa and South America, that... Like, you can only get there by boat, like, very rarely, and there's some endemic species that live on that island. So, I mean, I can't imagine people... Maybe someone was why out there. Why wasn't someone there? Why wasn't someone birding and getting those <laughs> in, those those specific island endemics on I'd, Saturday? You know, I'd like to, like, look at the 3,000 species that weren't, like, included on this, mm-hmm. and then next year, like, you and me stationed so, somewhere in and the try world. To get- even if we only get one species that day, we get we get one of the ones and be the only one to see something for the day. That's what I want to know. Like, you know, were we the only ones to have seen this one specific species? Probably there, not. There was, I don't, I, I need to look around on the eBird uh, Big Day page, but I remember in the past there was ways that you could see the most underbirded birds. Oh. And you, you could see, like, what was the low, the bird with the lowest total recordings for the day. Huh. And there was, there was a way to see that in the past. I'm, I'm sure it's still there somewhere. Well, anyways, what anyways. other statistics did you have? <laughs> um, so there was seventy over seventy six thousand checklists um, submitted by thirty one thousand people. That's wild. So lots and lots of people submitted lots and lots of checklists, which is awesome. So I'm I'm glad we were above the average number of checklists. <laughs> if you just kind of divide that out, seventy six thousand we so submitted. Like most people did two checklists. A, a, an average of two per person. So we covered a couple of you guys. Yeah. Yeah, a couple of you only wanted to submit one. <laughs> or didn't get a chance to go birding, because oh. not everybody gets a bird every day. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm just saying, out of the participants. Yeah. So they they had to have at least submitted one to be a participant. That's true. Right? Anyways, it, it was a great day. There was lots and lots of birds seen by lots and lots of people. Yeah, so. and it's it's just so cool to think that we're all out there birding together. We're all on the same team. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, next piece of bird news, the birding co-op, which Eric and I are board members with, um, we had our first birder cafe, uh, a couple, like last week, I think. And the birder cafe is an effort to get people together and sh- talk about a specific topic or issue and see if there's anything that we can do as birders and people in the birding co-op to try to, um, so- not necessarily solve these issues, but what we can do to try to improve the conditions in birding uh, for more people. And so, this so it, it's kind of framed around a Socrates cafe where you have a topic to discuss and you discuss it thoughtfully. You look up um, pri- prior to the discussion, you look up um, different materials in order to support something that you may have an idea of what you should be doing related to this topic. And then as a group, you all discuss um, in an educated informed way about a specific topic so kind of more organized kind of hangout so anyways this one um we talked about finding community which is something you know that's really important topic to a lot of people and i think you know probably our um listeners this is something that would probably interest you guys 
I mean, I imagine you listen to us because you want to be connected to the birding community. Um, or you just, you know, we put you to sleep. So there's a couple, probably a couple reasons a couple that people, reasons listen, people to want to listen to us. But yeah. anyways, like, <laughs> I think finding community in birding is very important. Um, I included some, like, articles that people read, or I hope they read, before we talked about this this whole thing. But um, one of the things that came out of it is that, you know, how do we find community? How do you find your birding community? Um, when Eric and I started birding, we were up in the Portland area, and we didn't know anybody our age. We mm-hmm. didn't know anybody in the birding community. We went on Portland Audubon walks, which tended to be older men. And they didn't really want to talk to us at all. And so we really didn't feel that we had a community here in our location until we moved to the Rio Grande Valley. That's where we found the community and we got connected. And found the community up in Oregon after we were yeah. done. <laughs> and so, you know, had we not moved and found that community, we might not have pursued birding any further because we didn't have the support and we didn't have anybody that we could turn to to help or for help. Yeah, it was it was it was a fun thing to do in our pastime, but uh, for it to become something that we devoted more time to, it, it really wasn't it really wasn't there until we found the community, and then all of a sudden we had this huge supportive network of people in within our region, and then as we met more and more people and got more and more into the community, it kind of expanded nationwide. So we have people that we know all over the place now that it's are supportive and. And helpful for IDing things or just talking about birds or whatever bird-related thing there is. And so if you guys have any ideas about what ways that we can help build community um, so other people don't maybe feel left out or they, help you know. speed along that process of finding that community. Yeah. Um, please, you know, shoot us an email or post on our Facebook or something like that. Because like I said, with birdability, we want everybody to get out there and bird. It's such a fun and easy activity to get started in but i think there's a lot of drop off um when people don't find that supportive network yeah so that's my pitch for that <laughs> <laughs> so we had a review um last i think this is our last bit of news right yeah 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 last bit of news um we had a review um a couple days ago um from one of our listeners the title of the review was uh regarding july 16th 2020 episode so i don't remember um the Which E-Bird date? Episode. Oh, no, it was the, I know it was the Ebert episode, but like just reading that title, I didn't remember that our Ebert episode oh. came out on July sixteenth. Like, I, I had to read the review before I. You forgot all that. about it. I don't. I don't remember which date. Okay, just get out. on with it. Anyways, anyways, it was five star review um, by GMA Birdie. Um, they say uh, first time to listen to your podcast to your podcast and stumbled upon this one about the Ebert review reviewal process. I'm a longtime birder and new to reporting on Ebert, so I found this episode extremely helpful. Now I'm curious to listen to your other episodes. Thanks. Well, I hope you like other ones. <laughs> but I'm, I'm sure by now you've probably listened to at least one other one, and we'll we'll see. And maybe, maybe, we'll get, maybe we'll get another review that's like, okay, I listened to one and it was good. I listened to the others and they weren't. I don't know. <laughs> well, anyways, thank you so much for um, reviewing, and thanks, you know, to everybody who's rated, taking the time to rate and review us. We really do appreciate it, and um, we're so glad that. You know, that eBird episode really did speak to a lot of people. We've had um, a couple people uh, give us feedback about it. And, you know, it was, it's mostly been extremely positive about, you know, they've always had these questions about eBird and this helped answer some of them. So thank you so much. And, And, you know, if there's any other like things you're curious about in the birding community that we can help, um, demystify is the word I'm using, uh, let (laughs) us know and we'd be happy to look into it. Yeah, happy to find find an expert in that and have him on, and we can explore whatever potential subject anyone doesn't know something about. Yeah. Oh, actually, we have one one last little bit of news, real quick. So our friend Tyke uh, James had sent over a um, little snippet of information about a new scholarship fund that's been created for Black and Latinx birders in the. Um, Northeast. The, the, the D.C., um, <laughs> Delaware, Maryland, and Virginia area. Well, anyways, he'll tell you all about it, yeah. so check this out. I'm Orieta Estrada. And I'm Tyke James. We love birds, and together we lead the Black and Latinx Birders Scholarship Fund. I need the attention of all Black and Latinx folks with the love of birds. If you're currently a full-time undergraduate student, and if you live in or attend a college or university in the District of Columbia, Maryland, Virginia, or Delaware, you should apply today. November 1st is the deadline. Yes, it's right around the corner. 
but we're only asking for a two-page essay, two-minute video, or even a really good Twitter thread. You can have $5,000 from the birding community to support your studies. Just let us get to know you and how you plan to contribute to your birding community. See specific rules and apply at marylandbirds.org forward slash grants before November 1st. That's marylandbirds.org forward slash grants. And if you have any questions, email scholarship at marylandbirds.org. So our top listenership for this last episode um, was Lake Stevens, Washington, and coming in second was Charleston, South Carolina. So thank you all for tuning in. Opposite sides of the country. Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) And I think um, cities that I haven't mentioned before. So that's cool. Yeah, that's good. New new cities on the listenership. Exactly. So thank you all for listening. And uh, as always, if you have a weird town name, I know how to pronounce both of those. So if you are from a really (laughs) weird town, um, get all your friends to listen to it. So then you can hear me screw up saying it. Yeah. That's always fun. (laughs) So this episode is getting into the main part of that getting into the we're done with our silliness yeah this is now now it's not hannah and eric personal time now it's hannah and eric birding time yeah um get on your binoculars (laughs) strap them on grab your scope and let's let's head out and talk about this (laughs) oh man that sounds like fun so this week this last weekend was the global the global big day the global bird weekend the whole everything yeah the whole everything for october so it was it was very exciting we actually went on a road trip um, over to Glacier National Park, as Hannah sung in the intro, um, went up to Glacier National Park and did a little bit of birding in some blizzard conditions. So that was that was a lot of fun. So we have never been to Glacier. Um, we have had people tell us our whole lives that we have to go there and that it's just absolutely beautiful. And I've looked it up on Pinterest and. You know, you see all these amazing pictures of people in with clear blue water and, you know, mountains in the background. And it just looks just like absolutely... these majestic views of just rocky mountains and snow-capped peaks and just out in the middle of nowhere, nothing but nature. Yeah, and we prioritize. We're like, okay, mom, dad, we are taking these days off. You get the hotel and... Um, We'll go. And so Eric and I decided, okay, you know, let's just do Glacier this time and we'll see what we see. There Mm -hmm. was some birds that we identified. And, you know, if you go to eBird and you look up target species, there was a handful of things that we needed for that county. Um, Well, we needed for our life that are seen in that county. Yeah, sorry. No, it's not like just this (laughs) county we need these things. Oh, yeah. We're we're all all in Flathead County, Montana listing. That's, That's what we were doing. Um, so we left Friday morning, Friday, yeah. yes, Friday morning, six o'clock, six o'clock. Um, it was a 11 hour drive from Cannon Beach, Oregon to Glacier National Park, mm-hmm. which is just, um, north of Kalispell, Montana is the big town and Whitefish, Whitefish and West Glacier. There's, there's a couple towns. Yeah. But Kalispell is one I've heard of before. Kalispell has an airport. Yes. So, <laughs> so it's the biggest, so, town. so it's the biggest town in that area. I would assume. So, um, yeah, 11-hour drive, we kind of just went straight through and didn't make any stops other than, like, bathroom and gas breaks. So it was definitely a long day worth of driving, um, but it, it was it was good. We we got a handful. Like, every once in a while, we would see, like, a magpie or we'd see something, so we'd make a, a real quick incidental driving list to... Pl- Fill in pl- some counties. To plunk in a couple counties here and there as we we're, as were driving. But for the most part, yeah, just, just driving straight through all the way... All the way up to a random mountain road that uh, that our friend had uh, told us that, or he hadn't told us, he had posted it on Facebook that he had seen a boreal owl on. Yeah, so before <laughs> checking into the hotel or anything, we decided, let's go look for this boreal owl. Mm-hmm. And we, man, this road was like just super rocky and like all the way up to the top of this mountain that we never found. Yeah. In the middle of the night, so... Yeah, we, um, we got there just after dark, so there's it's the middle of nowhere, dark. Raining and snowing. <laughs> yeah, raining slash snowing, so... We left the beautiful Oregon coast that was, like, sunny <laughs> to go somewhere that was rainy and snowy. It was it was, it was was cool, though. We So we were going up this hill. We were driving. We, we just... Um, we brought a, a pickup truck is what we were driving. Um, and we we got out there and we're going up this hill and then all of a sudden just like this little sedan comes down the hill so i'm like oh all right well this this road this road's a fine road everything's everything's good cuz there's a little sedan coming <laughs> yeah. down it um so we go up like another like 20 minutes and then stop at the 
at the spot, kind of hang around. There's nothing at all anywhere. So, and it was dark and we were tired after 11 hours of driving out, out there. So we decided to just go back to the hotel. We'll, we'll, we'll dip on the owl. It's not a big deal. Wasn't, wasn't really a major target. It just happened to be like close-ish. So we were like, well, we'll, we'll give it a shot. And we're getting there right at the end of the tourism season. Mm-hmm. Um, so pretty much everything is like closed down. There weren't any restaurants really open. Yeah. Um, so that whole area is, we were getting there right at, you know, the end of the tourism season. Mm-hmm. And so. Like, Which we, we knew going into. Like we, we had talked with our, um, our friend Josh that lives up in that area. He, he, he told us, well, yeah, there's roads are going to be closed because it's getting to the end of the season and looking based on, uh, hotels and stuff, what was, what was available. There was hotels that were already closed down for the, for the season and stuff. So it was like, all right, well, we, we knew what we were getting into that it was getting to the end. Well, it's funny because I looked in September going mm-hmm. and the room rate cost was like, it was like $200 a night or something like that for like the things that were available on orbits for just like a Saturday night in September. And then looking at October, like they were like $70. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, you could definitely tell like we are going in the off season. Yeah. Which Which is is good. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot less people. That's what we like to do. (laughs) Um, But anyways, like town was actually pretty closed. Um, There wasn't any restaurants that were really open that we could tell um, at, at nine o'clock when we were pulling Oh yeah, there was, no, there was nothing open when we, when we got there at nine o'clock. But I was just really surprised how like rural and rustic, like that whole area is like, I mean, sure it's a national park, it's out in the middle of nowhere, but th- with the number of people that visit it, I would think like there's, you know, Marriott's or something <laughs> well, <laughs> like in that area. When, when, once you go back, go down to Kalispell, when we were driving through there the next couple of, day, of days, um, there's, there's significant, that's, that's a big town. It's big-ish. Um, there's full, there was, there was like a Marriott, there was, there yeah. was a Staybridge, there was all like the regular chain hotels that you see places. They just, they just weren't all the way up ne- next to the park. They were, they were down in, in the town. Sure. Yeah. Um, so we picked a hotel that was like the closest to Glacier National Park, yeah, actually. Closest, closest to the west entrance of Glacier Park. And. But still. <laughs> Still out, still outside of the park. Yeah. And, um, you know, we, we prefer, we're in the tourism industry and we prefer to stay at like more unique hotels. Mm-hmm. And because we, you know, own a hotel, we like to check out these places that are probably more similar to what we offer. So then we can get like ideas of like what we should be doing that maybe they're doing. Um, so we ended up choosing this, lo- this hotel called the Historic Tamarack Lodge. Um, which was actually, you know, just a really economical place to stay. And it was yeah. just super unique and interesting there. So in the fact that they're like us, like we have office hours, like our office is open from 9am to 8pm because Eric and I are the only staff here. And so we can't be on 24 seven. Yeah. And so there, I'm sure there's a similar situation that they probably have a cleaning staff and then they have an office staff. And they don't have 24-hour desks, so. Yeah, so they closed at 7, um, and we had called them in advance to let them know because, like, I, I booked on Orbitz, which I tell everybody not to do, but I still do because I get really good deals. <laughs> well, we, we also, because we haven't stayed in hotels in, since February. I've racked up all we've, this money. We've, we've racked up money on, your, on the credit card as rewards, so the stay was free. Well, so. not there because they don't take orbits. Oh, you're right. Yeah, it was, it was, the, other it was the other place. It was free. Yeah. Um. So, anyways, so it said on the orbits account, like, or for the lodge, you know, that they closed their office. So mm-hmm. we called them in advance, which we appreciate when people do that and say, you know, I, I intend on getting in at this time. Like, are there after-hour procedures? And they were like super accommodating. They're like, we'll leave you a letter that has the room key and all mm-hmm. the information. So. Um, and, yeah. and most, most small hotels, as far as I can tell that we've ever stayed at and we do it and this place, yeah. um, have an after hours check-in. So even if they do close the office early, earlier than you're there, if you call them ahead of time, don't like call them the day of, but if you, if you call them ahead of time and let them know, Hey, I, I'm planning on booking there. I'm going to probably arrive late. Um, do you have an after hours check-in or is the office open late enough or whatever? And like, they, they're usually accommodating because they, they'd rather sell a room than not. Yeah. Well, and I appreciate it too. So yeah. I don't sit and worry about people. 
Um, but anyways, this hotel, it was really interesting. Uh, we didn't do a whole lot of poking around. I think there was a lot more going on than we saw, uh, because we, you know, we're out birding most of the day. And so we didn't really get a whole lot of time there, but we did learn that the lodge, just a little history about the lodge, because I find it fascinating. Yeah, it was really interesting. It was built in the 1900s from a group of men that came from the, uh, Minnesota Masonic Lodge. And I think it was just built as like their summer, like hangout sort of place. You know how people in the East Coast, like, go to the Poconos for the whole summer. <laughs> um, and they called it the Belton Masonic Lodge. And it was originally located in West Glacier, so it was, you know, in the park. And it eventually became the visitor center for Glacier National Park, which is really cool. And I keep thinking, like, oh, there's probably a president that came and, like, <laughs> hung out at the visitor center. Um, anyways, they greeted guests who arrived up to the park by train. And then in 1949, the lodge was disassembled and it was moved to its current location where it was used as a playground, as a restaurant, dance hall, skating rink, and eventually it was turned back into a hotel lodge. So it actually is, has some really fascinating history about it. And you just drive past and you're like, oh, this kind of looks like, you know, a random like log cabin. But to think like this was up in the park and then they took the logs apart mm -hmm. and then created this and they, new they moved lodge. it well it's, it wasn't like super far as far as i could tell so um west glacier is the like the last little outpost and we were in i can't remember the name of the town hungry horse no we weren't in hungry horse hungry oh horse uh, is columbia falls columbia falls no, not yes. Oh my gosh, I don't know. It's one of those towns. And anyways, um, so they, they it was about um like twenty miles is like how far they moved it. Like moving that's still it pretty west. impressive long, for the nineteen forties. Oh, I know. Yeah, that's a long ways to move a building. Like why? Well, and they, why not just build a new building? But I mean, it was. Like I guess the, the logs are good. Well, it's like the <laughs> London Bridge, you know, the one that like Havasu. Yeah. Like they didn't, it, they didn't just pick up the bridge and move it. They like disassembled the whole mm -hmm. thing and then rebuilt it. Yeah, I know. Well, it's the same thing with this. They took took out all the logs apart and then, but it's it's just crazy to think that. Like back then, they they moved it, but they were like these logs are still good. That's good. They're good logs. I mean, they and they were good logs. They were big. <laughs> it was a, it was a very they're very big, huge log beams for the for everything. It was, was kind of nice. Well, anyways, it was anyways. a cool hotel. It smelled a little bit like tacos, but we later found out that's because there was a taco restaurant on the ground Downstairs. floor. <laughs> um, but it was really cozy and just kind of what you'd expect from a lodge. Yeah. So we spent the first night there. Woke up, woke up first thing in the morning, like not even that early. Like we, we kind of slept in. So we woke up at like six seven. and oh, we didn't six, leave till yeah. seven. Okay. Um, walked outside and there was like an inch of snow <laughs> on the ground. <laughs> we are like, oh no. And the first snow has arrived. <laughs> <laughs> so that was awesome. So we. Um, and our area is not like a huge snow place. So we're not like, we, we still get pretty excited about snow. Yeah. So it was, it was super exciting. And for, for them, it was, it was the first snow. Up, up in that area of Montana for, for the year. So was, people were still kind of like little on edge, like, oh, I can't believe it's already snowing. <laughs> but uh, but we raced around trying to find coffee and uh, couldn't find any for a while. So we just decided we'll just go in birding. And um, our, our friend had told us that there's a place that you can get some coffee way the heck north in, into the park. So we went ahead and just figured we'll just Headed get coffee on the there. Road. Yeah, we just got on the road. We just, we're just going to go into the park. Um, he described to us um, Bowman Lake is where we needed to go, and it did not disappoint. But anyways, <laughs> on, on route, it was it was an it was an awesome drive. Like nice nice smooth road for like half of it, and then it went to like a gravel road that was just like an inch of snow on it for like the second half. <laughs> And yeah, so um, it was about an hour and a half out to Bowman Lake, mm -hmm. which, you know, it's just amazing to think of the magnitude of these parks and like how big they are. Like yeah, you seriously. and I have both worked in state parks and like, you know, one I worked at was like 700 square feet or um, 700 acres. acres. And then another one was 4,200 acres. Mm -hmm. And like these, I thought were pretty big parks, but then like if you, it takes an hour and a half to drive to another place in the park. And it's not even edge to edge in this park like the west entrance is not all the way at the total southwest corner and you're driving to the northwest corner to get to bowman you're like somewhere near the center and then you're going up somewhere near the two-thirds of the way to the north so you're only driving like maybe a third of, and that's just, of one side that's incredible yeah um, it's a very large park yeah and amazing, and I want to see more of it. Apparently, we, and we it has need about more giant parks like that. <laughs> it has about seven hundred miles of acres. So miles of acres, uh, miles of trails. 
That's 700 miles of trails. <laughs> um, so, you know, we are definitely going to have to go back. We probably hiked like two miles of the trails oh that yeah, they have. Ba- barely two miles. So, yeah, so... so as a as a disclosure about this, this episode is by no means a be all end all of what you need to do at Glacier. Oh, because seriously, we did so little in terms of what what there is at the park. There is just so much to this park; it is just spectacular. Yeah. Um. So, ironically, on their website, it says that Glacier National Park is not the best place to see glaciers. Yeah. Um, they they, can... su- they suggest a bunch of places down further south <laughs> into the Cascade and in, into the Rockies that are like, oh well, you can see, you can see them here, you can see them there, but. There are some here, but it's not the best place for them. <laughs> and um, a lot of these lakes that you'll see, they were glaciers yes. at one point in time. Um, so, like Eric said, we drove up to Bowman Lake, but mm-hmm. on route we stopped at the Polbridge uh, Mercantile, mm-hmm. which is, you know, apparently world famous. I had never heard of it. I haven't done a whole lot of research on Glacier other than, you know, just looking at pictures on Pinterest. Yeah. But this place is incredible. It is exactly what you expect from a mercantile. <laughs> Yeah, it it was awesome. We got there and there was like four or five pickup trucks of a bunch of a bunch of guys and 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 a gal that were like they camped that night. They were doing some kind of work. I don't know really I don't know. know. But they were they were they were all gung ho to get out there and they were drinking some hot coffee, re- ready to hit the road and go somewhere in the park or but, somewhere. But out there. the thing that is world famous from this place are Huckleberry uh, bear claws mm-hmm. and our friend josh told us about it so i had to get one and then eric got a jalapeno mango bear claw which uh, ended up it's, being it's like good. a roller or something is what they called it or i don't know well Roll-y? it was some sort of yeah, it was basically like a bear claw but it was it was a savory bear claw and it was it was delicious and we got a couple coffees and the coffee was fantastic from this location too yeah. So, I mean, I definitely recommend it. It's, it seems like a thing to do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can buy a lot of merch there of just the mercantile. And, it's incredible. Yeah. And on the north, on the northwest edge of Glacier, it's basically the last outpost for snacks, food, supplies, whatever, whatever you're going to need. They had, they had, uh, guidebooks, they, guidebooks. they had gear, like, um, jackets and hats and shirts and stuff like that. All, all with like lo- like logos for Glacier or, for, for the mercantile and stuff stuff like that but it was just like the last outpost of stuff out there and it's just it's kind of a funny little place in the middle of nowhere like mm-hmm. there's not there's like maybe a house that was nearby and a couple of like you know personal properties yeah there were like on acreage um but it, it's but it's it out like, there yeah it really reminded me of that place we went in ecuador and looked at the umbrella bird the 23rd uh, Ju- of Dahunia? july yeah. Yeah. yeah it reminded me of that little town yeah, so there was, it like, was chickens and you know dogs running around. Yeah, it was, it was definitely out there. There were working dogs. There were signs saying that you keep, must keep your if you have dogs, keep them in your vehicle, and they're not not, not allowed to be out because they have working dogs there, and they can't guarantee that their dogs are not going to interact with your dogs and have some sort of vicious dog situation. I don't. I don't but we know. saw a big golden retriever <laughs> that was fluffy. Oh so my gosh, super fluffy. Cool. So yeah, we got breakfast there. It was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Do it. You. You won't, you won't regret it. Yeah. And then we started up the road to um, to Lake Bowman mm-hmm. and um, stopped at the ranger station. <laughs> the ranger was kind of funny. Like, it it was actually a lot more reasonable, the cost, to get into the national park than I expect. So, like, the national park that we have, it's, like, per person mm-hmm. up here. Um, you know, when we went to the Everglades, it was, like, a really expensive. It was, like... $50 yeah, was, a I think day? It, I think it was $55. Was it I think it was a seven-day pass, $55. Well, anyways, um, so it was $35 mm-hmm. for a seven-day pass. And the ranger asked us, like, so are you going to, what was the name of it? It was, like, Caitlin, Caitla Lake? I can't remember what Kitla. the other, I can't remember what the other lake was. But he, he asked, there's two lakes up in this, at this entrance here. Um, Bowman Lake, which is where we were going. There was another lake that was significantly further. It was, it was like, another, like, 30 miles like a gravel it was like road. sixteen. No, it was, it was like, like it was Bowman like, was six. It's like seven hundred more miles. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it was basically in Canada. Yeah, it was on the other. It was, yeah, it was, it was way north Canada. <laughs> no, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, you must be right. Sixteen miles <laughs> further than the entrance to Bowman. Yeah, and so we were like, "Well, we're going to Bowman. We're looking for birds." And he was like, "Really?" <laughs> yeah, it was like really like an incredulous, like, like skeptical, skeptical, like really like I don't know if he was like. Looking at the truck, thinking the truck's not going to make it. Or if he was looking at us, thinking, like, we're not the kind of people that would go down to Bowman. <laughs> like, I didn't, I really didn't understand what the, what the tone behind what he said was supposed to mean. It was funny. It was interesting. 
<laughs> we were like, should we not be doing this then? That's the whole the whole drive in. We were like, is is, is like the road gonna drop off and we're just gonna be driving through the forest or something? Like, is this gonna? <laughs> Or do we, should we be driving ATVs? Like, is this like, is it going to be like insane out here? What is, I don't know what, what to expect. And it wasn't, it was just like, it was just a nice, it was fa- fairly nice gravel road. It was snowing like crazy, but it was fairly nice gravel road all the way up. So it wasn't, wasn't bad. It wasn't, wasn't bad drive at all. <laughs> so I have no idea what his reaction was about. So our friend uh, Josh, when he helped us try to figure out kind of the game plan of what we were going to do, he's like, you definitely have to go to Bowman Lake. We hadn't intended on doing that because, like, I didn't really realize it was in the park initially when we were, like, looking at the Ebert hotspots. Yeah. But also it's like, are you kidding me? That's so far away. I know. <laughs> and there's so much of Glacier to see. It's like, you think I want to drive all the way up there for that? Um, but it was worth it. Yeah. Definitely. If you're if you're going out there and you have half a day that you don't know what to do with, like, and you just want to see some spectacular view, like, Bowman was pretty spectacular. It's very iconic view from the, like, from the parking, the beach that's just out from the parking area. Mm-hmm. But on the way, he was like, okay, so you need to look at chickadee flocks to look for boreal chickadee, and you need to look at the sides of the road because you might see a wolf. And, <laughs> like, so we had this, like, oh, my gosh, we were going deep into the woods. Yeah. Like, kind of feeling about it. And so, like Eric said, we drove the six miles out to the lake, part and the whole the whole drive it definitely felt like we were way the heck in the middle of nowhere like the only thing that was there was this road that we're on Mm -hmm. like there was nothing it was it was you're in the middle of nowhere you're you're in the middle of glacier national park like it's you're out there there's just this gravel road there's no signs there's no nothing it's just it was pretty sweet well i was excited to see a pit toilet once we got there so there is pit toilets yeah once you're out there there is infrastructure yeah there's there's pit toilets there's a whole campground that has water that's what i can't believe is that like there's this giant campground well not giant had like 40 spots Mm -hmm. and to think about driving anything in there that's like campable it's just like wild to me because the road was i mean it was a good road but yeah. it's pretty rough and like it, i would, it, it would be terrified kind of, of driving a trailer down that yeah or hauling, or hauling a trailer or something and trying to pass people like oh, they're coming gosh. out yeah like, that, that would be it's a, a one and a half car road <laughs> yeah it's it's a very it's narrow it's a single lane gravel road but yeah it's all the way out there but then once you're out there i think some of the spots might have had electricity too i don't i don't know I know there was at least water, and then there was a ranger house out there mm-hmm. that, that that I know that one had electricity and water, and it had it had he had the whole shebang out yeah. there for himself. So I imagine maybe some, maybe they didn't have electricity in the sites. Well, anyways, anyways, so we park, use pit toilet, and then walk out to the water, mm-hmm. and it is the iconic view that I have seen on Pinterest everywhere of like just mountains and you know leading down. You, you to posted this. it on Instagram, right? Yeah, but it's nothing like what you'd see yeah. when it's sunny. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, it, it was, we, we had... We, we were there mid-blizzard. Yeah, so it was it was interspersed. So we would have snow blowing at us right in the face, and then it would kind of calm down for a little bit, and then everything would clear out, and it would be almost completely clear, and then things would come back in at us. So we got a couple pictures when it was almost clear. So it was, like, I, I thought it was, I mean, visually you could see it, and you could definitely, you could see that this is what's in the pictures for Glacier. Like this, your mountain ranges covered in snow out in the distance. You have all these. Uh, it's just like in the middle yeah, of a valley. Just valley, yeah. Um, so we started on one hike that was like if you're at the lake, goes to the left. Yeah, so around I the north, remember. around the northwest side of Bowman Lake. And like immediately, like a couple hundred feet down the trail, it's like bear sightings in this area. Make sure to carry bear spray. And I was like, it, oh, so no. it didn't say in this area. It said seventeen miles ahead. That's bear sighted seventeen miles ahead in the next campground. It's like okay, well, at the north end of the lake, there's so Hannah there was, was like, sighting. oh my gosh, I'm gonna have to fight a bear. <laughs> And so we're like hiking along and Eric's like, yeah, Hannah, it's not like for another 14 miles that we'll see a bear. So I was like, okay, fine. And we just keep (laughs) hiking and hiking and really didn't see much except for squirrels. Very precious. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But there's a ton of squirrels, and I don't oh know what gosh. species they are, but they have, like, a brown back, like, gray, like, behind, they were and then, like, red, white undersides. I think they were all red fox squirrels. I, I took some pictures. I Some of them look different than what I, than what, like, they're they're different because we have, like, like Douglas squirrels, I think, yes. here. Um, I think we have fox over there. squirrels, too. Well, so it's American red squirrel is the species of squirrel that's, that we saw 
all over the place. Okay, well, there. I'd never seen one of those. It was a life. From I know Mammal. that's 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 what I thought. I thought it was a life from Mammal too. Yeah, um, but anyways, they were furious at us, and so we decided. <laughs> <Constantly> chittering. <laughs> we decided to head back because we weren't really seeing a whole lot of birds, and um, had a great look at a pileated. It was just like on the ground, just on the ground, just pecking away at some uh, some wood and just like looking at us. And... So we we got back, and then we were like, well, you know what? There's usually good birds in like campgrounds because people. And it would be a little bit more protected because mm-hmm. there was this wind that was coming straight off the lake at you. Um, yeah. So that uh, was... The, what is it? The lake effect that they, over in Michigan? Like where it's like super freezing. Off the Great Lakes. Off the Great Lakes. Well, it's not like what creates snow sometimes. Yeah, It's like yeah, it yeah. blowing off the lakes. Yeah. So it, well, it, it felt like it was that. something like... It, it wasn't... It definitely wasn't that. It but was a blizzard. It, but it felt, it felt like that because it's like this cold wind coming off the lake. So we, we got away from the lake a little bit to the campground and it was... Uh, oh, and there were a couple of juncos by the, the lake. Yeah. A couple of juncos by the lake. Which so we're we, like, okay, there's birds. There's, there's birds here. <laughs> and yeah. So we went over to the <laughs> campground because I was like thinking like, well, you know, campers leave a lot of food and mm-hmm. so it attracts birds and so we're like okay well let's just do like a you know once around the campground and we started in and all of a sudden there was a grouse Imme- that flushed immediately two, two grouse two uh rough grouse just <laughs> like right like 10 feet in front of us it's like Ugh. okay so this is where the birds are we should have come here in the first place <laughs> and that was life for eric yeah so that was really exciting that was very exciting i got a bunch of pictures it's on on the ebird um checklist i don't know if i put the best one on there I, I just quickly edited a couple photos that I got. So And so then we, I mean, our main goal was really chickadees because yeah. we were looking for a boreal chickadee. And Josh was telling us that they like to hang out in groups of other chickadees. Mm-hmm. So um, we did a, you know, walked around the campground, kept hearing chickadees, but never actually seeing them. They, they were all in the tops of the trees at, at that point. I, I don't know if it was... Because it was warmer up at the tops of the trees, like in the sun. Well, or... and there's the food up there. Maybe, yeah. So the, so every, all the chickadee flocks were way up high, and they definitely weren't coming down to come talk to us. So so we got back over to the car, and we were like, okay, let's um, head somewhere else. And... But I didn't want to really head anywhere else yet. I was like, let's, we need to give this place one more shot. Like, we got the spectacular view, but we've only, we only got one, one lifer, and it was only for me. It wasn't even lifer for both of us. And we haven't really had, had that many birds. Let's go back. So there's a way that you could drive over to the beach. Like like to launch a boat. To, to launch a boat. So we pulled over there to kind of look and see if we could maybe get a better look at the iconic view. Maybe you clear up a little bit. So we sat there for a few minutes. And it kind of interspersed snow and then stop, snow and then stop. <laughs> it was doing the same thing like all day long. It would snow and then it would stop. So so we started heading back. Um, we were like, okay, well, we'll just go back to like town. <laughs> and... So um, we started back out of that parking lot and looked down this other trail, and there was a spruce grouse, like, sitting in the middle of the trail. Yeah, right in the middle of the trail, not just minding its own business, pecking away at the ground. So then I reach behind, grab grab the camera from the back seat, and I take a bunch of pictures there while, while in the truck. And then I was like, oh, that was, we were super excited. We're all jazzed. It's, you got the adrenaline going from seeing a lifer, and it was super exciting. So we pull up to the um, parking lot, and I was like, now, now that I'm all excited again, I'm like, you know what, that trail, let's go walk down that trail and see what we can find. And so Hannah, Hannah goes to use the restroom one, one time before we go race up to the to the trail. So I walk over to the trailhead to just kind of wait for her over there, and the grouse is still there. So I'm like, oh, sweet. So I, I get I get down on my hands and knees, and I'm like trying to take a bunch of pictures of it, and then a park ranger walks up and looks at me weird, like, I don't know why you're laying on the ground taking pictures. <laughs> And he, he, he's going he's over. He's never met a bird before. Yeah, he, he was going over to, like, go take care of, like, one of the garbage cans or something. But uh, then Hannah comes and meets me, and it's still there. <laughs> and so it, we, we took some pictures of it, looked at it, uh, got to revel in its in its glory of new life. And it's lifer. non-breeding plumage. It was, yeah, well, it, it wasn't, like, super bright or anything, but it was. I want to see it's, like, they have, like, red it, eyebrows. You can, you can see the red. Uh, it, barely. It had, it had a couple, a little bit of red. Yeah. Um, but. It was it was it was still super exciting. So we go down that trail like all jazzed, like all right, this is where the birds are. Like there was one over at the campground. We had, we had a rough grouse there. Now we have a spruce grouse here. What other grouse are we gonna? Like, yeah, what, dusky grouse. We gotta find the other grouse. Well, and that's the crazy thing is that like we looked at our target species, and if you look, you know, at that, then there's um, percentages, and mm-hmm. it like numbers out like what species you need and the percentage. And so like that's the percentage of checklists that have been submitted that contain that bird. Yeah. Um, so I always think of it just like, is the percentage of likelihood that you'll see that bird. I, th- I think in general, you can usually look at it like that. And so spruce grouse was like number 12. 
on our list mm-hmm. at like it was down it was down the list it was like five percent no no it was, no, less it was, less than it was that. like one point two percent yeah it was it was really low right. so we we're like okay if we see number twelve on this list we're gonna see some good birds <laughs> yeah, we're gonna see some good ones um yeah so we head down the the trail really excited and just more squirrels and more like vistas just absolutely gorgeous views. Mm-hmm. And chickadees up in the tippy tops easy, of the trees. Easy hiking too. It was yeah. it was not hard hiking. Like a little bit up and down, but not wheelchair accessible. But it's it's easy easy hiking. Yeah, but yeah, just absolutely gorgeous. Didn't really see anything else the whole um, rest of the hike. So we head back to the car mm-hmm. and we we're like, let's just uh, go drive around and see what glaciers it's all about. Yeah, see where see where we can go. Yeah. So yeah. we decided um, when we got first got into the west entrance way back by the visitor center, there was a four-way intersection where we took a left to go all the way up to Bowman Lake. Um, but you could take a right, and that's the main road that's called the... Um, going to the Sun Road? Going to the Sun Road, yeah. So it's, it's the main road through Glacier from the west side to the east side of Glacier Park. Um, which is actually closed at the halfway point in the winter um, for bad road conditions and or bears. <laughs> kind of kind of a mixed situation on online it says it's for bears in person it said it was for the for the road conditions i'm not sure which but either way at um at this spot called avalanche is where they close it and that was that was as far as far as you could go for now which we, we like i said we'd known that before prior to going in so we knew we were only going to get up to um up to avalanche but we decided to go down there and go check out what what's going on in avalanche so we go down there well and it's like on the the east side of lake mcdonald so yes or yeah lake mcdonald lake mcdonald, mcdonald, lake, mcdonald lake whichever yeah. um so that's like as far as i could tell that's like the main lake yeah that it's, most the, it's the biggest lake of the in, in the park i think and there's a visitor center that's kind of on the west side of it that mm-hmm. you know there were a ton of people oh there it was closed i guess like there's Co- COVID closed yeah. yeah so i don't know what's normally in there but they had a ranger that was answering questions for people and there's also um there's also a uh, shuttle system that they use during mm-hmm. parts of the year. And so there's a shuttle station there, which I thought that's pretty cool. You know, there's yeah. a lot of national parks that are going towards that because they get so busy and so overwhelmed, like Mere Woods in California. They have a whole system where you can, like, get into a lottery to, like, park your car there. And if you can't get in, you know, if you don't get that, then yeah. there's, like, a shuttle that you have to, like, buy a huh. ticket to and you park, like, somewhere off-site. But then they try to, that's how they try to, like, limit capacity in the park. Okay. Um, so I thought that was really interesting because I've, I've never actually seen a park that I, I has didn't, that I didn't kind realize, of system. I didn't realize that's what was going on with that shuttle. Yeah. And so um, they have uh, different stops that those, tr- those shuttles will make. And mm-hmm. so you can, like, go hiking, but you don't have to, like, you know, overwhelm the parking spaces that are in the park. Yeah. Which, once we got in there, we realized why you need <laughs> something like that. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't realize that's what the shuttle was doing, but there was not very much parking once you... Once you start heading up to those uh, trailheads. Well, and it makes it dangerous, too. You know, people are walking on the sides of the road from yeah. trailhead to trailhead. And you have all these people that are looking at the spectacular beauty of the park and while, trying while to driving. drive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I can see if it, if it were a clear day, like, it would be very easy to get distracted trying to drive drive up that road. Luck, so, luckily, it was snowing. So it was it was fairly clearish, but we couldn't see across the lake. So yeah. it was still... A pretty spectacular view each time we came around those corners and just... <laughs> but um, So anyway, so McDonald Lake is that, that big one that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. And so we went along the, si- the highway that goes along the southeast edge of it, I guess. Mm-hmm. And there are, you know, pull-off spots along several parts of the lake. And then once you get um, past it, then there's like, I guess it's a river yeah. that feeds into it. And just incredible views of waterfalls. And, like, not giant waterfalls, but, like, I mean, like, wide waterfalls, but not tall waterfalls. Yeah. Well, and they weren't, like, super tall, but they're, they're like, like big rapid areas. Yeah. Is more the way I'd describe them. But they're, like, dipper they're, habitat. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, probably more aggressive than dipper habitat, but it's Like, still, torrent duck habitat. Torrent duck. There we go. <laughs> torrent duck habitat. But it's, it, it was pretty awesome. Like, we didn't, we didn't get a chance to actually pull off and stop at any of them because... Every single spot was completely full, and there was like lineups of cars. Like we're we're talking, it's snowing sideways. <laughs> like it's blowing. It's like thirty one degrees. It's crazy out there, and all the parking is full. Well, and that it yeah. was parking like cre- like 
It's like, I can't imagine what this place is like if you were to go in July or August. Like The time the, that you're the, supposed the time, to go. The time that you're supposed to go <laughs> when everything is open and there's views and all that stuff. Like, what is the parking like then? Like, yeah. how how do you deal with that? That is insane. Like, I guess you just get there. Because we were, we were going through there at like Maybe 1 two. o'clock, 2? Yeah, I think so, 2 or 3. Like yeah. yeah so Because it, it was, was like later that it was like, mm, we'll just go look at it. And that's then, exactly yeah. what we thought. Yeah, we were just going to look at it. We weren't planning on stopping. Like, but... As soon as we saw how many people were there, it's like we were definitely not stopping. <laughs> like it's there's no way we're I'm gonna stand here for an hour trying to find somebody that's pulling out. Well, and also you know just for personal COVID safety, like oh, for sure. there were so many people that I wouldn't feel real safe like hiking anywhere because you're gonna have to pass people on the trail. Yeah. Um, and so like we went up to the turnaround point at Avalanche, like mm-hmm. Eric was talking about, and there was a pretty big parking lot up there, and there were people parked along the sides of the highway or the road, Side, the park sides road. of the going to the Sun Road. Yeah, which I was super impressed that there were park rangers there. They were writing warnings and putting them on cars. And it's so like normally like a warning. It's like you, you get like a warning like stuffed underneath your windshield or something. And you just like throw it on the ground. You just throw it on the ground or whatever. But I thought it was it was kind of awesome. The, we would never throw it on the ground. I'm no, saying that people do. That's pe- People do that. We see it in town all the time here in Cannon Beach. But, like, instead of, like, doing something like that, that I, don't, I don't know if, how many of you guys have ever seen on the side of the highway when somebody parks and or leaves their car and is broken down and then they put a sticker on it to have a tow truck come and pick, up, pick it up. Those stickers are, like, impossible to get off your windshield because the glue is stronger than the paper is. <laughs> so it you try to pull it off. And it just rips the paper. And then you have to get a razor blade to pull it all off. So every, so every single one of these cars that was parked along the side of the road was illegally parked because they need to be in a parking lot. There was probably 150, maybe 200 cars along the road that every single one of them had a warning in, stuck to the window. And it's like, oh my gosh, I can't imagine all the people that are <laughs> trying to use a razor blade to cut this off their window now. I just couldn't believe that there was like, <laughs> we saw the Rangers, they were like directing traffic and then I'd see somebody like turn around at the end and then they go pull into one of those spots. It's like, did you not see every single car has every, a sticker on it? Every single car has a warning and you're just going to go ahead and park there. It, <laughs> I guess the thought is, it's well, just a warning. They've already gone, gone by and ticketed everyone. They're not going to come by again. I, I mean, but I you're super obvious then. <laughs> I know you're the one that doesn't have a ticket. I don't know. So, <laughs> Every parking was was a madhouse, and we later found out that part of the reason that parking right now this year is so crazy, like it's it's always crazy because it's a national park, limited limited resource, lots of people that want to see it. But this year, um, the eastern half of the entire park essentially is closed and has been closed all summer because the um, the native Res- the native nation that has that owns that owns the whole entrance to the eastern half of the park, they closed their borders entirely due to COVID safety. So you couldn't come through, go across their the reservation land to get to the park. So essentially the park is in half. Yeah, the park's cut for... in half, so everyone has to come to the west half. So well, Yeah, and so, I mean, that amount of people that want to see the park, mm-hmm. and then now they're all isolated. Now they're isolated to half the park. Yeah. So it's, and I guess the numbers were down from, from a normal year. But the number of people that came specifically to the west entrance must have just been way high because there was that's the only entrance you could go into this year. So so yeah. So then it's a, it's a different year. <laughs> so we went to, we turned around because we were like, "There's a lot of people. Let's go ahead somewhere else." And our friend had texted us that he was out at these ponds in mm-hmm. in the middle of farm fields, and he was seeing sand hills and all this other stuff. So we were like, "Yeah." And he. And he actually went and he found a parasitic Jaeger out there. So I was like, well, we might as well go head out there and see if we can see a bird that we see a lot out here on the coast. <laughs> um, <laughs> but but it's not it's not it's not very common in Montana. <laughs> so we headed over there. It was maybe like a half hour drive from Glacier, and it was mm-hmm. literally just you know, it, it was ponds in the middle of a farm field, which I just yeah. they're good spots. I just never like take the time or effort to like stop and look at those. If if you've never been to a specific one before i can definitely see like not like being like oh i'm gonna drive down this road and go look at this pond like but now that we've been to that specific spot it would be like oh well this is this is well, a neighborhood hot spot this yeah, is good but now i'm thinking about like all the ones that our friends have 
and people have found like you know rare birds at like Josh finding the parasitic Jaeger, mm-hmm. and then Dan Jones um, down in Texas finding the collared plover there. Yeah, it's like you know why am I not looking at these harder these like random places in the middle of nowhere that nobody's looking at for birds, or regularly stops and looks at. I, I'm always concerned. So a lot of these areas is the farmer brings his tractor through an area yeah. or he's opens it up and he's running his cattle one, one place to another or something. I'm always afraid that I'm going to be in the way. Like if <laughs> yeah, I, if I, I if that. I go park my car somewhere, I'm going to be in the way if I'm standing there looking or I'll get boxed in because got a tractor coming one way. And like, I, I don't, I'm, I'm always concerned about that. But I've, when we've actually gone out to these places, we've never had that issue. Like, I guess it, there probably is that fear and there probably is that, possibility but we've never actually ended up experiencing it so so it's always ended up working out even though we're always hesitant to do it (laughs) so it is a pretty good hot spot in the county um head over there and that's literally what it is it's just a pond Mm -hmm. in like the bottom of a a field yeah and um just tons of ducks there were a couple yelp dowagers there's lots of long-billed dowagers yeah um i think there was I can't remember if we had any any other shorebirds. There was that uh, swan, the trumpeter swan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was in the middle. That was banded. Yeah, it got, got the big big neck band. It's, like... <laughs> it's their choker. Yeah, it's their choker. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just a really good so- spot. But it was also blowing and blizzarding, so we didn't. <laughs> I don't know how we it followed us, but our Josh yeah, had he, he seen all was, these cool things. He said it wasn't that bad when he was there. Like maybe. An hour and a half before us? Maybe. But it was coming in waves. It was like, it would snow for a little bit and it would be clear. And then snow for a little bit. So he must have been there just when it was clear and then left or something. But, so, yeah, we so we spent this little time there. There was another yeah. guy there um, taking pictures. Mm-hmm. So it was like, okay, well, other birders come here too. He, he was pretty excited about the swan. Yeah. At least that's what I could tell. Because he, he, like, pointed at it and he had a big camera. And he's, like, giving me a big, huge <laughs> thumbs up and a big smile and taking pictures. And I was like... All right, I guess it's a good bird for this area. I don't know. <laughs> and then around I'm, the I don't know. And the, and then around the corner, like on a couple more acres, there was another big lake that had an actually it had an overlook and mm-hmm. um, one of those uh, mounted binoculars, yeah. which is pretty cool or scope, I guess, on that one. And um, that one was actually like a wildlife management area specifically for sandhill cranes. Yeah. Um, so that's really cool that in the middle of these farm fields that they have that specifically set aside. And like I said, it was like blowing snow sideways and people had seen like 150 sandhill cranes there earlier that day. <laughs> so I was like, I don't know where they're seeing these sandhills. And then right as I like ran to get back in the car because we are Oregonians and don't pack well for snow. Um, I thought, I thought I was, I was packed well enough. I, I was warm. I had, I had a beanie on, I had my sweatshirt and a jacket. Well, I, I was, was freezing. I was plenty warm. And <laughs> um, I heard sandhill cranes off in the distance. So I was like, sandhills. <laughs> okay, got it. Yeah, there was, there was like, I don't, I think, I can't remember, I think we put like three or four on the list. I mean, that's it all was, we heard. It was not very many. And it was, and Josh said he looked at the list afterwards. He's like, man, I don't know what happened to him. I had so many of them out there. <laughs> we, we just had a, and it was just a couple that were calling. We couldn't see him. We could just hear him. Yeah, and, it was like on the other side of a house. Yeah, there might have been more than that, but audibly, like, there was only like three or four calling, so. So we ended the day with Eric getting one, two lifers. Two lifers. And I got one lifer. I, I got an ABA lifer, though. The um, ringneck pheasant. Oh, yeah. So yeah, so that was... You were the big winner for the day. I was the big winner for the day. It was, <laughs> it was one ABA bird and two lifers. Um, my, the only other time I have ringneck pheasants in uh, Sweden. So. <laughs> no, Denmark. Was it Denmark? Yeah. Oh, you're right. It was Denmark. Um, so then we decided to go do what we like to do and go to breweries. You know, besides birding. Yeah. So we headed to Kalispell, which was the big city in that area, um, near where we're birding at the ponds, and decided to go to Bias Brewery because they had nachos. And Eric mm-hmm. was like, I want some lifer nachos. I, I wanted some nachos after being out in a snowstorm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so we stopped there. Uh, they had, you know, it's kind of a, I don't know, it's almost like Chipotle. I don't know. So it was it was a big empty room. It yeah. was It was... Like in terms of COVID, it was definitely definitely very very good COVID practices. Mm-hmm. So, you ordered at the bar or, or ordered at the bar big big plastic plexiglass screen. They don't touch anything that you touch. You don't touch anything they touch. And then uh, you go and find a seat, and they bring they bring you, they give you a number or 
Yeah, they gave us. Yeah, number. they gave us a number, and then we uh, they came around and delivered the food, and then they don't ever come to us again until we leave, and then they come and grab our stuff. Um, but it was it was nice, really good nachos, um, pork chili, pork lime chili. Oh man, that was good. Chili pork, li- pork, pork lime, lime chili, chili, <laughs> chili lime pork. <laughs> but it was, was kind of cool because they had like three things kind of on the menu it was like bowls and burritos and nachos and then you just kind of like picked what you wanted on any of those things yeah and it was it was a very simple menu yeah three things and there was only like with the with the bowl there was only like two options or three options there was the meat the sauce and um the base or something like that yeah oh what kind of like rice you yeah what kind of rice it was and then with the i didn't see what the options were for the burrito it was kind of like it's probably the same thing yeah and then the um the nacho was just the meat that was the only option so it was it was really simple very simple menu it was easy easy to understand easy to enjoy and i was happy that they had a blackberry sour so i got that and i had a hazy ipa because i like hazy ipas now (laughs) apparently (laughs) well they're fruity (laughs) yeah they're they're fruity it's i I feel like I shouldn't like hazy IPAs because I wow. really like the like the hoppiness, but like I don't know. I, I guess my palate's kind of like shifting and adjusting. As I'm... You know, I like hazy IPA too. Yeah. So I think we can like agree on that. We can agree on a hazy IPA. Yeah. So when we, we go to the store and you're like, yeah. okay, let's just get one six pack. Let's find a hazy IPA. Hazy IPA. Yeah. Yeah. We can do that. Because usually we just go for a locker and neither of us are happy. <laughs> <laughs> Halfway between, neither one of us are enjoying it. Um, yeah, so that that was a really good dinner and it was fun to celebrate those lifers. And then um, our friend Josh, he was like, you know, we were like, hey, you want to grab beer? So then we uh, met up at Baxel Brewery, which is uh, in Columbia Falls, so mm-hmm. kind of in between Whitefish and Kalispell. And, you know, had another beer and had some fries. They had these Parmesan garlic fries Parmesan that were really good. Fries that were really good, yeah. And, um, yeah, kind of called it a day. <laughs> yeah. It was so a, a long, cold day. We had to go warm up at the at the hotel. Yeah. And it was fun to see uh, Josh. We actually have never met him in person. Yeah, never <laughs> met him in person. That was the first time seeing him in person. That's the fun thing about birding, especially now, you know, that uh, COVID has changed so much of the way that we live our lives. That we have this internet friend that we have talked to extensively. Extensive video, video conferences and never, never met him in person. <laughs> yeah. And still, it was, it was like barely meeting him anyways because we couldn't like really closely interact or anything like that because it couldn't COVID. shake hands couldn't shake hands couldn't yeah it was it's a different world we're in for now um yeah so the next morning we got up and we were getting ready to go up to uh, mcdonald lake mm-hmm. and do a little bit more burning there because we had seen a redneck grebe the day before yeah so, so we thought we can get some we can get some more lake birds and then there was some there's a couple hikes short hikes that are up to some waterfalls mm-hmm. that from what i hear and we are love spectacular like it's the, the way Josh was describing it. Like, I can't, I, I won't be able to describe and do it any justice at all. And I haven't even seen it yet. He's so. a pretty good, like, travel writer. Oh, seriously. So there's, there's some really good, really good hikes that are really short, um, just outside of, um, Avalanche that, uh, that we were hoping to do, but we woke up first thing in the morning and there was like two inches of snow <laughs> when we woke up. And so I was like, all right, well, we'll go see what we can do we, anyways. We can, we can still do it. It's fine. It'll be cold, but it, we'll, we'll be fine. Get on the road, get all, get all the way up to the park. And there's a big flashing sign saying that it's closed at... The McDonald Lake Lodge. Is it McDonald Lake Lodge? Yeah. yeah which is like five miles before Avalanche <laughs> because of the road conditions. And it's like, oh, no. <laughs> so it was temporarily closed for either just the morning or just that day for the road conditions. Um, and so we did not get to go. But we were like, <laughs> okay, let's, let's go see what we can see, you know, cut our losses Yeah. and driving up. And we like, I mean, it was, we were probably the second ones on the road for the day. There was like snow even, plow in front of us. No, the snow plow was behind us. I don't, I don't think anyone had been up there before us. Well, that's cool. That morning. But anyways, we're like driving along the side of the lake and all of a sudden this fox comes out of nowhere. And he had some big bunny or something in his jaws. Like a minkura. It was some uh, fisher. Know, yeah, some some uh, mammal that we've never seen. It's got to be another another life or mammal. Martin. It yeah, was Martin. It was Martin. Yeah. yeah. I don't I don't know what it was, but it was, <laughs> it was carrying something. It was dark, um, and he ran across the road, 
ran along the side of the road for like maybe 500 feet and then ran back across the road But again. it dropped whatever but was it in its mouth. It. I felt so bad. I know. But that was amazing because I've never seen a fox in real life. Yeah, that was, so, that was pretty exciting. I, I mean, this whole time we were looking for a moose or a wolf and we were like, okay, let's get a life or mammal here. But it was the a fox. fox. The fox is a good life hey, or mammal. I'm happy with that. Um, so then we headed on home and yeah, I mean, Glacier was fantastic. I definitely want to go back. Like I just, I've read it five stars. (laughs) (laughs) I got a little taste of it and it's like, I want to go back, but not when it's crazy busy, July, August. So I'm thinking like May. I'm, I'm thinking, so in April, May, June, it's, uh, muddy. (laughs) It's really muddy, but apparently, apparently, but the, the snows are starting to thaw. The roads are, roads are starting to open. So you can you can get up to places, but hiking can be a disaster. But you can still technically hike on them, I guess. And honestly, I mean, I'm not like a super hiker. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm happy doing like four miles. Like that's kind of my limit on like yeah. a trail. Like I, if a hike says more than like three miles, it's like mm, maybe we should go do something else. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not because I don't like hiking, but there's just like so much to see. I feel like you know if. If we're going on a long hike, then we might miss something else. But also, you know, long hikes get you to cool places. So, yeah. I don't know. It's got Pers- plenty too. Yeah. Personally, that's how I feel. I know yeah. Eric would be like, let's hike 100 miles. Oh, yeah. I'd, I'd, go, for, I'd go for a 70-mile hike. Uh-huh. Grab, grab some grab. You have never once done that. I would love to do something like that. Oh, my <laughs> I, gosh. Somebody just take him so okay. then he can be like, no, anyone, that was horrible. If anyone wants to take me on a hike, I will go on, a, on any hike. You won't have to listen to me. Yeah. It'll be... I'll I'll have a blast. We'll have a blast out there hiking. It'll be awesome. I don't I don't know I mean, where I, we'll ever go. I but. like hiking. It's just that there's a lot of things to see, and I feel like if I'm spending all my time hiking, then I'm gonna miss stuff. Yeah, that's true. Because if we had gone to that lake and we had just hiked all the way around, like we wouldn't have gone up to Lake McDonald. That's true. We wouldn't have seen the redneck cube. Yeah. Or seen all those the crazy numbers of people up there. My life was only so long. <laughs> So, so th- <laughs> anyways, so thank you all for listening to our podcast. We hope you enjoyed it and maybe, you know, make a, make a plan to get out to Glacier sometime. It's a super cool place and I can't wait to go back. Um, and we hope you learned something we hope you enjoyed it. Please rate, review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Music, anywhere else you listen to us. I think we're also on Pandora now. And I think, are we really on Pandora? I think there was another one that we were on. Suddenly. That's exciting. I keep getting emails. It's like, your podcast is on this. And it's like, okay, sure. Yeah, whatever. Um, put, if, us on, put us on more platforms. Sure. <laughs> Let's share the love of burning with everybody. If you'd like to connect with us on socials, please follow us at Hannah Goes Burning and Eric Goes Burning on Instagram. That's Hannah with an H, Eric with a K. Our Facebook page is Hannah and Eric Go Burning. You can email us at Hannah and Eric Go Burning at gmail.com. And you can check out our website, which is GoBurningPodcast.com. And help us share the love of birding and get that out there and be um, birdability. Accessible. Yeah, birdability. Go 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 do some of those surveys. Birdability surveys.